This is Ham College, Episode 86, for February 28, 2022. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM's new ID52A Handheld is the perfect radio for working your favorite bands inside the Ham Shack or venturing out. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas. And I'm Dean Martin. And we've got some tough questions for you tonight on the Amateur Extra exam. Oh, that's, that is an understatement. Yeah. There there will be buzzer tonight, I promise you. It has to be. Could could very well be. Could very well be. If there's be. no buzzer, I'm going to buy a lottery ticket because this is going to be my luckiest day ever. Anytime we're streaming a show live, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. If you're watching live in YouTube right now, the chat's right there. That's where we're at. You can pop that out on your browser and get it in a separate window where you can slide it around if you'd like to. We'll be watching the chat room tonight. You can submit the answers as we go along. We're not grading you, but we are looking at your paper. We're looking over your shoulder, too. Yeah, just just to see, to get an opinion of you know what everybody <laughs> thinks the answer might be. And sometimes they get the same wrong answers as us. So what did we talk about on the last show? Last show? Hmm, let's see. Well, the last show we did uh, AC and RF energy in real circuits. We talked about the skin effect, electromagnetic fields, reactive power, power factor, electrical length of conductors at UHF and microwave frequencies, and microstrip. Okay. That was a lot. That was. This month we're going to talk about semiconductor materials and devices, germanium, silicon, P-type, N-type, transistor types like NPN, PNP, Junction field effects transistors, enhancement mode, depletion mode, MOS, CMOS, N channel, and P channel. Hmm. Um, that's a lot to stuff into only 12 questions because that's all that's in this part of the exam. Yep. Oh, is it? I hope good. Because I think next so. month we won't have more of those. No, it'll be something tougher next month. Probably. Yeah, it probably will because when we did those others like two months ago, I was like, "That is the hardest ones ever." Yeah, but it's but they weren't. No, they continue to get harder. Yeah. So I guess maybe we should get on into them now and just see how things work out oh. tonight. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Call it heads. Okay, I'll take the first question. I'll answer the first one. Okay. In what application is gallium arsenide used as a semiconductor material? Is it A, in high current rectifier circuits? 
B, in high-power audio circuits. C, in microwave circuits. Or D, in very low-frequency RF circuits. Gallium arsenide. That sounds like some kind of poison. Yeah. Arson, arsenic mixed with insecticide. Gallium arsenide used in a semiconductor material. I have no idea. I think that's going to be my answer for most of these tonight. I have okay. no idea. I don't see I that as an I, I really have no idea, honestly. The only one of those that stands out to me is it seems like it might be need some kind of a something special would be microwave circuits because of the very the really high frequencies for microwave. So you're saying one of these things is not like the others. That's what is I'm that saying. What? And I'm thinking it's C because of that. Okay. But it seems like the other three would, like, I don't think there would be anything special about those. So. Um, chat room majority says C. I'm going to agree with you. It's C. In microwave circuits. Now... I'm not sure if your reasoning for coming up with that is good or not. I have no idea, man. But it, it worked. It worked for you. Yeah, well, so. I probably that, that's probably not going to work all night, but we'll see. <laughs> all right. We'll see. see what I, did I see what you did. See what I did? Yeah. Which of the following semiconductor materials contain excess free electrons? A, N-type. B, P-type. C, bipolar. Or D, insulated gate. Which of the following semiconductor materials contain excess free electrons? Well, let's see. Electrons are a negative particle. So I'm going to say it is N-type, which is right the opposite of P-type. So the N stands for negative? Yeah, and it wouldn't be bipolar because that would be going both ways. And insulated gate, uh, that just doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm going to say it's a N-type. Looks like there's a lot of A's. Yep, a lot of A's in the chat room. So You nailed it here. I'll give you you an N for nailed it. All right. Well, I've got another one here. That's what I was afraid you were going to say. And we're just getting started, too, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why does a PN junction diode not conduct current when reverse bias? A, only P-type semiconductor material can conduct current. B, only N-type semiconductor material can conduct current. C, holes in the P-type material and electrons in the N-type material are separated by the applied voltage, widening the depletion region. D, excess holes in P-type material combine with the electrons in N-type material, converting the entire diode into an insulator. Oh, Lord. I should have... I should have called in sick and see if the uh, 
the the assistant dean could have set in for me tonight. Yeah. I mean, generally cheap. Generally cheap. <laughs> yep. Okay. This is a PN junction diode, not conduct current. Let's reverse bias. P-type semiconductor material. Only N-type semiconductor material. Holes in the P-type material. And electrons in the N-type separated by the applied voltage widening the depletion region. That seems plausible some, somewhat, even though I don't like fully understand it, but I kind of understand the principle of what they're saying. Excess holes in P-type material combined with the electrons. So I'm guessing C. I, this is another one I don't know the answer, which I'm telling you is going to probably be my answer for almost all of them tonight. C? Go, yeah, yeah, see, it was that was my answer <laughs> yeah. on the last one. Well, the chat room <clears throat> is all saying it's C. Well, let's see. And yes. Well, it just so happens. Oh, where'd you find that? I've got some uh, photos here. Well, this is not really photos. This is a drawing. On the top there is just, yeah, roughly what a diode's made out of. PN junction diode is... Uh, a P-type and an N-type junction. Mm -hmm. You know, if you put um, current on one side of a diode, it will come out to the other side as long as you put it on the right one. If you didn't, then you, you know, it's blocked. It, blocks it, right. it can only flow one direction. Right. Where the P and the N-type silicon touch up against each other, I won't use the word combine, but you can see right there in the center of the drawing where I've got depletion region, where those two meet right there, the holes in the P-type material and the electrons in the N material are separated, or that depletion zone there widens if you reverse bias the diode. If you forward bias it, current flows on through. How about that? Well, that's good because, you know, I really didn't have... <laughs> Anything else that I could say about it? I'm you know. telling you, this is some tough stuff, man. It is. It's some tough stuff tonight. So we'll move on to the next one here. And oh, this is one you're going to ask me. What is the name given to an impurity atom that adds holes to a semiconductor crystal structure? A. Insulator impurity. B. N type impurity. C, acceptor impurity. Or D, donor impurity. What is the name given to an impurity atom that adds holes to a semiconductor crystal structure? All right, so they, they put some impurities in the material... To intentionally? Intentionally. To cause it to accept electron flow. I'm going to say it's, um, it is C, acceptor impurity. The chat room saying it's C. You know, I think they have found the study they guide. They see here. the light. Yeah. They see the book. <laughs> 
<laughs> so far, I don't know. so far they've all been C. Well, most of them. Most of them, yeah, you're right. And it this one too. But when you go take your test, don't go by them all being C. No, that won't really work out that good for you. All right. Um. <laughs> Arnie said, "I may want to surrender their extra class license." <laughs> <laughs> How does DC input impedance at the gate of a field effect transistor compare with the DC input impedance of a bipolar transistor? A, they're both low impedance. B, an FET has lower input impedance. C, an FET has higher input impedance. Or D, they are both high impedance. How does DC input impedance at the gate of a field effect transistor compare with the DC input impedance of a bipolar transistor? I see this moving, but I don't want to look at it. Yeah, don't look at that. Because I see the answers are coming in. Something is. Uh, they're both FET has lower. C. You all of a sudden came up with the answer yeah, there. Yeah, I just answered all the other ones. I'm going with C. You're going with C. Okay, any Let's particular reason? You chose C? No, because it was the same as the other one, all the other ones. I'm telling you, that's not a good strategy. No, there. it's not, but it's the only one I got. <laughs> well, chat room, those brave enough to answer are saying C. I'm going to agree with them. It is C. No way. Yeah, it is. You want me to do some explaining? Yeah, go. Yes, please do. I don't have any pictures. Or a fancy explanation, but I've got just something you can remember, maybe, by. Okay. We're comparing a field effects transistor with a, a normal bipolar transistor. Well, normal transistors are bipolar. A field effect transistor is a, a special type, and... When we were using tube circuits, the input impedance on a tube is real high. All right? Mm -hmm. But on a transistor, it's low. They're low impedance devices. So when you uh, connect something or, or you hook the input of, say, a tube to a circuit, it doesn't load the circuit very much. It's high impedance, so it really doesn't load down what you're connecting it to much. A transistor might. If you had a real high impedance circuit, you hooked a transistor to it, it might change the characteristics that that circuit is operating at because you've put a low impedance on it. So you will see uh, a lot of times... Well, I don't know how much anymore, but 
it used to be a big point. They made vacuum tube voltmeters, a special type of voltmeter that that used a tube in there as an amplifier to drive the meter element. And the reason they used a tube is because it was high impedance, so you could hook it across just about any circuit, and it wouldn't affect it. Oh, interesting. Where a regular meter, if you hooked a Simpson 260 across Mm -hmm. some things, it changes the way that circuit's operating because it, it loads it down. So when vacuum tubes uh, weren't quite as popular and they, you know, had developed FET transistors with uh, high input impedance, they started making FET voltometers. So it, it worked like a vacuum tube voltmeter. In other words, you could hook it across a circuit to measure something, and it's such a high impedance, it really wouldn't affect the circuit you're hooking it to. And so... Um, Places where we need uh, a high impedance stage, um, input stage. We don't want to load down a circuit, and FET is a a good choice for that. And so that's pretty easy for me to remember because I had an FET VOM. They use these a lot in, like, um, uh, some guitar amplifiers and such because... You know, the pickups were made to feed a high impedance like an old tube amplifier. And now, if you're trying to emulate that or have the same loading characteristics, you'd you'd use something with an FET so that you're not loading down the, the pickup on the guitar. It's, it would behave the same as if it was into a tube. Anyway, that's... That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that about the tube type meters. I've never seen such as really. Yeah. Oh, there's some folks that still um, believe highly in them. Yeah. Good luck finding them. one. RCA used to make a lot of them. That that was a real popular one. Okay. Uh, I didn't notice what they were saying over in the chat room about it there, but yeah, Heathkit made vacuum tube voltmeters. How many in the chat are extra class license holders and are ashamed to show the score tonight? <laughs> it's tough stuff, man. It, yeah, it's uh, it's no shame, and if it's been a while since you studied it, this is a lot of this is not stuff you would use like often. Yeah, well, some this, of it would be never. This would be a good thing to know right here. Yeah, though. that yeah, that is for sure. But as far as putting the P uh, and N types together and Stuff like that happening. You know, really all I care about is I've got to put the current in the right side of the diode to get it through. And the other way, it doesn't work. But it's on the exam here. So, yeah, it'd be good to know it if you want to pass. What is the beta of a bipolar junction transistor? A, the frequency at which the current gain is reduced to 0.707. B, the change in collector current with respect to the base current. C, the breakdown voltage of the base to collector junction. Or D, the switching speed. What is the beta of a bipolar junction transistor? Okay. I I got a guess on this one, but I've never. Maybe. 
Well, you want to answer this one? No, because then I'll have to still answer the next one, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just happen to know that the beta is, um, is used to describe the gain of a transistor. Um, they also, there's an alpha gain as well. Depends on how you're, you're measuring things. So it's not the frequency that uh, the current is reduced. Uh, B, the change in collector current with respect to base current. And if, if we're putting the signal in the base and we're looking at how much it changes in the collector, usually, you know, it's going to be higher in the collector. So that that's uh, would be related to gain. See the breakdown voltage of the base to collector junction? No. And it's not D, the switching speed. I'm going to say B. Okay. And chat Pretty room. Much everybody else yeah. said B, except yep. for one says it's not C. Yeah, they're pretty much saying B. Mm-hmm. And it is. Cool. So, thing to remember there is just the, if they're talking about the beta or the alpha of a, a transistor, they're talking about the gain or it's related to the gain. But I think this is the only question we'll have like this on the exam. So Okay. Um there's that. Well, I think it is time, since we're about halfway through the questions in this section, that we'll take a quick break. Did you fail to dress up for tonight's show? No tie, an old shirt and slacks, a house dress? Well, don't give it a thought. We're glad you came as you are. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. Spring is just around the corner. And ICOM's new ID52A handheld is now shipping. The ID52A is an industry-first handheld that can send photos over the D-Star network. This radio is perfect for working your favorite bands inside the ham shack or venturing out. The ID52A is now shipping. ICOM's newest handheld amateur radio is a VHF-UHF dual bander with D-Star and FM dual mode functions. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D-Star simplex, repeater, regional, and worldwide calls over the D-Star Internet Gateway. The ID52A is the first amateur radio with a full 2.3-inch waterfall display and can send photos over D-Star with a connected Android app. Other features include wideband receive with a guaranteed range of 144 to 148 and 440 to 450 megahertz. VHF, VHF, UHF, UHF, VHF, UHF with dual DV mode. Integrated GPS GLONASS receiver including grid square location, micro SD card slot, micro USB for data transfer, programming, or charge. And it meets IPX7 waterproof standards. Learn more about this and all the great ICOM radios at icomamerica.com slash amateur. What do you say we give away something? Okay. An ICOM ham crew t-shirt. You'll look just as good leaving as you did when you got there. I would say to the ham fest, but I don't know. I haven't been in one in a couple of years. You know, I was just at a ham fest recently. Yeah. yeah. How was it? 
It was pretty good. Do you wear your Icon t-shirt? Uh, that one? Yeah. No, that shirt right there has never been worn before. Yeah. It is folded up and put in the cabinet over here. After each episode, you know, we have, the, like you fold the American flag, we have the ceremonial folding of the T-shirt. Play the icon tune when we put it in there? Yeah. Yeah. And we we put it in the drawer well, there. It's anyway. Been, uh, it's been handled a lot. It has. It's a nice shirt. I love mine. Yeah. I've got one like it. Mm-hmm. So... We're going to give that away along with a swag package, whatever else Jesse can stuff in the box and send it to a lucky winner. It's real easy to get in the drawing. All you've got to do is send us an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. You don't really have to have a license or anything. You just need a name and an email address. Mm -hmm. Uh, Send us one. If you want to put a note in there, that's great. We love to read them. Uh, But if you don't feel like doing it, that's fine, too. Yeah. Yeah. Incidentally, uh, the emails that come in get purged. They don't get harvested. They go to nowhere else, straight to the recycle bin and emptied. Uh, so you no uh, no worrying your email getting in uh, spammers' yeah. hands. Did a random drawing of the entries tonight, right before the show. Okay, and we've got a winner here. Who's the random winner? Well, I've got the email that says, "Please enter me in the contest." Now, that was optional. He didn't have to say that, but he did, and we appreciate it. K9WWW, Rich, Rich DePoss. He he is the winner of this month's ICOM swag package. Cool. Congrats, Rich. Yeah, congratulations. They'll be getting in touch with you uh, soon to get your size and shipping information. Yep. So if you, if you want to enter for the next drawing you didn't win go uh send your entry in now the email box has been cleaned out and ready for new entries for the next month sure is we got room in there for yours which of the following indicates that a silicon npn junction transistor is biased on a base to emit a resistance of approximately six to seven ohms b Base to emitter resistance of approximately 0.6 to 0.7 ohms. C. Base to emitter voltage of approximately 6 to 7 volts. Or D. Base to emitter voltage of approximately 0.6 to 0.7 volts. Ooh. It's got to be C. Um... Which the following indicates that the silicon NPN junction transistor is biased on? Uh, I, I really don't know. See? It's C. probably not going to be right. Okay. But you're going with your strategy I'm on going this to, I'm going to roll with it till, till it fails me. Okay. Well, it just did. <laughs> it sure did, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is D, based to emitter voltage of approximately 0.6 to 0.7 volts. Let me hear that buzzer. Yeah. You need to hear it again? <laughs> uh, yeah. We had a, a number of C's in there. Not, not all. There's, there's way more people watching than answering. And I'm not sure what that means. There's an NPN transistor. Measure the voltage. Between the base and the emitter, 
when that transistor is biased on, now this is only for silicon transistors, it'd be different with a germanium, you're going to measure 0.6 to 0.7 volts difference between the base and the emitter. Just so happens, this is a quick and easy way to test a transistor in a circuit without removing it is you can just measure the base to emitter voltage there, and if it's 0.6 to 0.7, you'll know that that transistor's good. Ah, interesting. Did not know that. Yeah, handy tip. What term indicates the frequency at which the grounded base current gain of a transistor has decreased to 0.7 of the gain obtainable at 1 kilohertz? A, corner frequency. B, Alpha rejection frequency. C, beta cutoff frequency. Or D, alpha cutoff frequency. What term indicates the frequency of which the grounded base current gain of a transistor has decreased to 0.7 of the gain obtainable at 1 kilohertz? It's not the corner frequency. It's not A. I don't think it's alpha rejection frequency. I don't think I've ever heard that term. So that only leaves me with beta cutoff frequency and alpha cutoff frequency. Go with C, man. It's worked with me pretty good so far. Yeah. Well, it has, yeah. I think I'm going to go with it not for that reason, though, just because I think it's the beta cutoff frequency. My strategy. Oh, a little mixed... In the chat room there. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh. oh yeah. You too. misled me, man. Okay, it's the alpha cutoff frequency. That's why I'm a dean and not a yeah. professor. Well, being a professor just really didn't work out for me that time. <laughs> so. What is a depletion mode FET? A, an FET that exhibits uh, current flow between source and drain when no gate voltage is applied. B, an FET that has no current flow between the source and drain when no gate voltage is applied. C, an FET without a channel. Or D, an FET for which holes are the majority carriers. Depletion mode FET. Exhibits a current flow between source and the drain when no gate voltage is applied. No current flow between the source and drain when no voltage is applied. I, I, don't, I don't, I'm guessing it's A. I okay. don't know. Well, I think that's um, a pretty good guess there. Most everybody's saying A. There's some B's in there. And it is. And I've got something I can say about that. It's not not the full thing, but maybe something to remember by. There's basically two different types of FETs. There's a depletion mode FET. And then there's an enhancement mode FET. Mm-hmm. All right. On the enhancement mode FET, if 
you put a voltage on the gate, then current will flow through. Mm -hmm. You've enhanced it by putting a current on the gate. So right the opposite of enhancement mode would be depletion mode. So, Well, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking when I, when I was, but I wasn't sure of the terminology. So you don't have to have a voltage on the gate to have current flow. In figure E6-1, what is the schematic symbol for an in-channel dual-gate MOSFET? A, 2. B, 4. C, 5. D, 6. I'm sure you'll probably nail this one right off the bat because you do this stuff a lot. Yeah. In-channel dual-gate MOSFET. Okay. Where's the picture? Huh. I was just waiting to see how many folks were going to answer in the chat room before I showed the picture. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. you know, they've been looking at the book? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys are busted. Yeah. Let's look at the picture. <laughs> what is the schematic symbol for an in-channel dual-gate MOSFET? All right. Well, first... I'm going to say it's dual gates. So that's going to mean it's either four or five because you see there's two gates on those two symbols and not on the rest of them. So it's all going to depend on which way that arrow is pointed. One of them it points in, the other one it points out. So I'm going to say it's the one with the arrow pointing in. Four? Four. It's B. Okay. Um, yeah. Most most of the people are saying it's uh, before, and it is. I figure you probably get that one. Yeah. Well, I, I knew it had to be one of the two. Mm-hmm. And so, if you th- you think about the drawing there, about the arrow is negative. pointed in. Makes sense. Yeah. Next one. In figure E6-1, what is the schematic symbol for a P-channel junction FET? Is it A, 1? B, 2. C, 3. Or D, 6. I'm going to go with 1. You're going to go with 1. Yeah. I don't really know. what the, I don't know. It's not ones with the dual gates. I know that. They're mixed in the chat room over there on this Good. I'm kind of mixed up, too, so I'm going with one. So what what letter was that? Well, I think that's A. Your strategy is working. Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, that was one that looked like, only one that looked like it had a valid junction. That one tripped up most folks. Really? Yep. Why do many MOSFET devices have internally connected Zener diodes on the gates? A. To provide a voltage reference for the correct amount of reverse bias gate voltage. B. To protect the substrate from excessive voltages. C. To keep the gate voltage within specifications and prevent the device from overheating. Or D. To reduce the chance of static damage to the gate. Why do many MOSFET devices have internally connected Zener diodes on the gate? D. To reduce the chance of static damage on the gate. MOSFETs are are very susceptible to static damage. Um, 
just like CMOS chips and such. You know, when you you buy a chip and it's stuck in a little piece of mm-hmm. uh, foam, or it comes in a um, a foil-plated bag or um, a black bag for static-sensitive items, mm-hmm. that's ex- exactly the same reason you would have uh, a Zener diode in there to reduce the chance of static damage to the gate. There's one being applied right there. We have gotten through this section of the exam. That's the last one? That's the last one. All right, well, let's go ahead and shut this down. I need to go lay down, man. I'm kind of beat <laughs> from all that. Yeah. I'm spent. Yeah, some some of these were kind of tough. Uh, you I know. know. All of them were kind of tough. Most of the folks in the chat room were getting all of them right, but some of them tripped up uh, a, a lot of people. Including the the two of us. Well, it's not that hard to trip me up on those because that's really not my uh, my yeah. thing that much. But I mean, not that much. Yeah. Well, it's um, that gets way down into theory on a lot of these right here, below the level of just sticking stuff together on a breadboard and you know copying oh. a schematic. Uh, that was oh yeah, that's, that's, kind of the a lot of it's pretty hardcore stuff. Yeah. So, that's tonight's questions. What do you say we? I don't know. Maybe uh, just check in the chat room and see if there's anything going on in there. Okay. We need to mention before we get out tonight. Nancy says tonight was a good learning experience. Thanks. Well, that's that's what uh, it's all you. about. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we uh, we probably learned a few things ourselves. Oh, I know I did. I, yeah. I learned something on every one of these. Mm-hmm. Nigel says he got one wrong. Well, you're tied with a dean and a professor, Nigel. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of other folks, I think a lot of folks probably got one wrong tonight. Tomei is in there. I noticed uh, several people. With uh, call signs in other countries with us tonight. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. What's on the horizon, Dean? What's what's coming up here, project wise or oh, adventure wise? Soon, yeah. Uh, not too much. Uh, kind of thinking about dating these days. Think about it a lot. I'm hoping I'm gonna be able to make it. I I want to, but uh, anyway, it's kind of up in the air still. But um, I want to go. Yeah. So I've been thinking about that pretty good bit. Yeah, I've got, um, well, I've already signed up for a ticket. I've got to go ahead and book my flight and do the hotel thing and get all that lined up. I think I'm, at this point, yeah, I'm planning on going, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, well, I, I, would, I would say yeah for sure, but I've got a work commitment that uh, – they keep juggling the date around, and it falls mm-hmm. right right there with that. So, oh wow! Um, so I got to yeah. kind of see how that pans out. Did I oh. see that email had booked a room? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The other thing we got going is we got a one of the new uh, Icom D Star repeaters, the dual mode repeaters, mm-hmm. and uh, we're working on getting that going. We've got a few uh, paperwork things to finish up getting registered and then we'll be getting that mm-hmm. on the air sometime here very 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 soon yeah i'm looking forward to that we got a good spot for it mm-hmm. yeah it basically comes down to 
if you're going to register one of those on the um, on the gateways, you can't really use your regular amateur call sign, mm-hmm. uh, or then you won't be able to use your your uh, call sign with just a radio on on the gateway. So uh, essentially, you have to have a, a club call sign. So we've been working on that, and we have formed a club. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten a call sign, and we have applied for a vanity call so that we could drop it from um, six characters to five. So, yeah. Uh, and, and it kind of make the call sign makes more sense yeah. for... If for we us. get the one, you know, you have to uh-huh. throw them up, up to 24 different possible choices you might have, and... I don't know if somebody's sitting there at the FCC throwing dice or just checking down the <laughs> list to see, you know, which ones they can assign. But uh, we should know something for that in a few days and then be able to file all our paperwork. We think we've located a frequency and an antenna site and mm-hmm. we've got Internet there and we've got power and we've got, got the computer, backup, OS is set up, got backup power, got backup Internet, so... Yeah, we should about ready. Yeah, we're about real ready. close. Yeah, looking forward to getting it going. Uh, Jerry says he's looking forward to the hundredth anniversary of the Amateur Logic Soundcheck Net. Yeah, that's coming up. What is it? Two weeks? Uh, yeah, it was uh, this coming will be the ninety eighth. So we got okay. This uh, is the third week out. Oh, three weeks. Okay. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Nigel's asking, "Where is your teapot?" Uh. Right up there, Nigel, we decided not to unveil the teapot tonight. We're going to save that for the next Amateur Logic, since that just seemed like more of an Amateur Logic type of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's where, that's where it was. So yeah. they don't, a lot of the audience is the same, but uh, some aren't. And they might, yeah. Some of the ham college people might not understand what it was about, but uh, yeah. Amateur Logic viewers will, so yeah. we'll definitely have it on the next Amateur Logic. Yeah, and some of the Amateur Logic folks would miss it if we had it here because mm-hmm. there's um, a little bigger audience there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's see, did we miss anything else? Spike says I was doing well the first three questions, but went downhill quickly after that. You know, what's that change from C? It's yeah. like anybody's guess after that. It's like as soon as as soon as I printed out the questions a couple of weeks ago to get ready for this and looked at it, I said, "Oh man, <laughs> uh, these are going to be tough." You know, we actually came out pretty pretty well considering what I thought it was going to be because I I thought that we would probably have a good three four buzzers yeah. at least, but I, we only had one each. Yeah, I think it. Tripped him up pretty good. He said he's not the same Spike. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Chip still has his Heathkit vacuum tube voltmeter. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wish I could say I still had my Radio Shack FETVOM, and I did. I had it for a good 20 or 25 years, and then finally I dropped it one time too many, and the meter movement broke, and that was it. That's as far as I could take it. I'd already glued the case back together two or three times previously. <laughs> I, I really like that meter. It's nice, and you really need a meter 
with a high impedance on it if you're working on uh, solid-state circuitry or even uh, tube-type circuitry. Fortunately, most uh, digital voltmeters these days got you know a little higher input impedance to it, mm-hmm. so it's not much of a factor as it was when uh, we were using you know uh, old school meters like Simpson two sixties and such. And I still use my two sixty. Yeah, I've got one. I use it too. Yeah, some things I just like a good old analog meter. It just uh, they respond quicker. Mm-hmm. It's easier just to put together what's happening. You know with what you're working on. If I want accuracy, though, I'm not. I'm not going to use my Simpson, although it is accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some about that the meter. I don't know. That's okay. Marty has the little teapot nursery rhyme <laughs> stuck in his head now. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, <laughs> yeah. Good luck getting that uh, out. Yeah, I wish he wouldn't have shared that because. Now I think um, you may have started something. I'm hearing it myself. Oh. Uh, yeah. Turn on a Millie Vanilla song and wipe that out. Uh, Nigel says in April, Blackpool will be their nearest ham radio rally. Yeah, they don't have ham fest over there. They have rallies, which is, I guess, about the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah. What's our nearest Sam Fest coming up? There's got to be one coming. Well, Dayton. Yeah, that's in May, middle of May. Well, it's... Um, Would have been uh, the it's rain It's about one. March. I was going to go to the Rainham Fest, really? but they canceled it. Did they? Mm-hmm. Oh. Said they'll be back next year, uh, obviously, if something don't change. But, yeah, they, didn't, they canceled it. I was going to go for sure. Yeah. Chip says meters tend to show, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Chip says, <laughs> I don't think, I, don't think I can said. say what Chip said. Why don't you say <laughs> what he said? <laughs> uh, Chip said meters tend to show <clears throat> trends better than just digits. Yeah. And quicker, too. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you wanted to, to check a... Uh, a capacitor. I don't know. You know, a lot of digital meters now have the capacitance ranges on it, but mm-hmm. used to checking an electrolytic by measuring across it and then reversing your leads and, you know, watching it kick was always a kick. Yeah. Or you can plug it into your uh, component tester. Yeah. Yeah, I forget uh, who sent those things to us. But that's that's been a really handy little thing. I've used it several times. What's that? The little component tester. Oh, you know, I've got mine out. That's a fish, and I can't remember yeah. the number of it. Fish twenty two eighty or something. I don't. I don't. I don't remember the number. But mine was. I keep it hung on the pegboard over there without a battery on it because I don't use it that often. But I'm working on an Astron switching power supply that's been kicking my butt for several months now. Well, actually, it's been collecting dust on the shelf um, because I tabled it for a while till I could get back to it. And I haven't had any luck troubleshooting. You know, switching power supply is a little more difficult 
to mm-hmm. troubleshoot. And I'm thinking it's a capacitor, and it's probably the capacitor has uh, got a high uh, equivalent series resistance on it now, which wasn't so much a problem in old school circuitry, but uh, it is in a lot of newer stuff. Or at least we didn't really talk about it years ago. And now ESR seems to be a big topic. And so I decided I'm just going to pull just about all of these electrolytics out of here. I think it might could possibly be because I've already measured them with a capacitance meter. And they all measured okay. The mm-hmm. ones that didn't, I replaced them. But the ESR is another thing you can measure on them. And that, that little device has been very handy. Uh-huh. I'm yeah, going go to go grab that thing. I have to go back and look and see who it was that sent that. But that, it's been very much appreciated. It's a very handy tool. tool. Oh, yours is naked. Yeah. This is it right here. Oh, you can't see it because it's great. Mine's got a display on it. Well, yours just got a big notch. Well, you hit the number one button there. Oh. I oh. hit the number one, but it didn't do anything. Oh. Did you hold down on the number one? Oh, hold on. I'll do what I did. There. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to focus this quick. Uh, this plugs in. But anyway, you put your um, component you want to test in the ZIF socket there latch it down and it will determine what you've got connected in there whether you've got a transistor I don't know if they can hear me because uh, I'm not near a microphone oh I can hear you well tell them what okay he said you put your component in the zip socket right there and it determines what it is and tells you the values of it yeah yep it's really nice. Ziff socket. I hadn't heard that terminology in a while. You remember when they used to, Intel came out with those for CPUs? Oh, really? Where you, oh, yeah. The yeah. little arm, you raise it up yeah. and put your chip in there. They still got those. Do they? They don't. I mean, they're, they're not made to be swapped out as quickly as something like this. But, yeah, most all of them now, you drop your CPU in and you got that mm-hmm. um, lever a little arm, you push it down. Yeah, it's a little little different. Yeah. But these things are real cheap. And this is, let me tell you what it is. It is a Fish 8840. What did I say it was? You said it was a Fish something, but you didn't remember the model number. Yeah, Fish 8840. If you don't have one of these, you (laughs) might want to grab one because it's a, a good cheap way to check ESR and a whole lot of other stuff. And for about 15 bucks, you know, it's uh, hard to go wrong with it. Oh, yeah. uh, I see what you did. Yeah, scroll. Yeah. Okay. You said hit the first button, so that's what I did. I oh. couldn't see it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so with that, is that a 9-volt Duracell? It, is, is it let's leaking? check. It is not leaking yet. Not yet. But it's just a matter of time. It expires in 2023. That means it should have been leaking about a year ago. <laughs> I, I don't know. I really hadn't had the 9 volts leak as bad. This is the last 9-volt Duracell I own. It may be the last Duracell I own altogether. I went to Costco the other day, 
and I uh, was looking for some of those uh, batteries. I think it was Arnie that said that they were good, and uh, I forget the name of them now. Well, they're made by Duracell. Yeah, but I, I was looking at. I was going to get another picture, a picture of the oh, box. It says, yeah, okay. I think it says like guaranteed for twenty years or something like that, or ten years, twenty years. Thanks for being here with us and do your studying and take your test and see what you can do. Yeah, but don't guess C on everything. <laughs> that 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 won't work out in the long run. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> seven <laughs> seven three seven three everybody Frequency at which the current gain is reduced. A. Well, look what I found. How about this shirt? An ICOM. <laughs> There's your blooper. An ICOM ham crew T-shirt. Yep, it looks just as good as you leave. <laughs> cool. uh, this month's ICOM swab pack. Swab. Let's look at the picture. <laughs> there we go. It's uh, the picture's not wide enough to cover the screen. We can do uh, little shadow figures over there or something.